Amen. Hey, we are in a uh, series called The Timeless Testaments as we go through the major stories of the Old Testament and see Jesus inside each one of them. And today we're going to talk about Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, and the servant's vision. And uh, I'm going to title this message, The Eyes of Faith. The Eyes of Faith. Um, i give you a little story. Years ago, a missionary by the name of Gerald Johnson uh, to the Philippines, uh, he, and he writes this story in one of the Assemblies of God's journals that I have. And uh, he basically says this, that one day he was, uh, as he was doing work in the Philippines years ago, in a uh, very heavily rebel-infested territory in the mountains. And he had done some work all day long, and he was headed back. And he's on this old vehicle that he had, and as he was headed back, uh, he knew that the journey ahead would be bumpy and, and it would, rains had just happened, the mudslides and ravines, he'd have to go to this mountain. And so he began to leave, but immediately his van in the town uh, stopped going. It just stopped. He's not a mechanical person. And so it stopped, and then he prayed, Lord, I need your help. Lord, help me. And immediately a man came up to the car and he said, hey, you're out of gas. And he's thinking, well, the gauge is full. But sure enough, the guy puts a bamboo stick down in the tank, and it comes up empty and dry. So the man, out of nowhere, offers, hey, I'll go get you some gas. And so he came back, and he pumped, put the gas in the, in the van that he was in, and boom, he gets off going. Well, it was starting to get dark, and so knowing that he did not want to, he had no cell phone back then, and knowing he didn't want to be on rebel mountain territory in the middle of dark, he saw some cars pull out. And so he said, well, I'll follow them in a caravan. We'll be safer. So he began, and he got on the road with them, a bumpy, windy road through the mountains and mudslides, and there's cars in front of him and now cars behind him. So he's thinking, okay, if we all stay together, we're going to be safe. I'll get through this, and I can get home to my wife on the other side. Well, a car stalls out in the middle of the road, and they all have to stop. And as soon as he stops, his van dies again. And one by one, everyone in the caravan leaves him. So now he's up on this mountain in rebel territory, in the dark, with no cell phone, not sure what to do. And so and it's getting dark. And so he prays again, and he cries out to God. And immediately, at the van, a mechanic with a toolbox in hand approaches the car. And he says, hey, I think I know what's wrong. Okay? And so he gets out, and it's one of those vehicles where the motor is on the inside under the front seat, right? And he goes, and the mechanic, and in 10 minutes, that mechanic gets his van to work. And so he gets in the car and turns around to thank the man, and no one was there. God has ministering angels that watches over, and he tells that story, and what a great story it is to remind us that we are not alone, that God watches over. Jesus says that, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And, uh, you know, sometimes in this life, you're going to go through things, and as you begin to follow God's will, you may find yourself in enemy territory. You may find yourself surrounded by darkness. You might find yourself going through many, many difficulties. In fact, God promises as you seek His will and His face and put His kingdom first. Those are things that are going to happen. But there's a great reminder today that we don't have to have a spirit of fear. We don't have to feel alone and defenseless. But we can walk in God's purposes. And like Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say amen. 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 But what does that mean? What does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight? I want to talk with us today through this story. If you have your Bibles, turn with me in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. 
2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. We want to have our eyes open today uh, to the kingdom of God. In fact, I'm going to be talking a lot about, uh, and I want, I want you to try to catch it, of all the times we're going to talk about sight or seeing or perspective or things that are hidden. Today is all about the sight. And so we're going to talk about having our eyes open to the kingdom of God and how we can walk in his purposes uh, by faith and without fear. So that's why we're titling this message, The Eyes of Faith. Let me give you the background to this story if you're there in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. I'm going to read from the New Living today. Uh, so the king of Aram has sent raiders occasionally into Israel. Now this is the days of the kings. Elijah the prophet has gone. His uh, men, uh, disciple uh, Elisha is now uh, up in years probably. Is uh, going on to be the, the leading prophet of Israel. And so this is a kind of a crazy time in Israel's territory. Israel is divided. There is northern, uh, the northern kingdom, which is now called Israel in the north. And there is Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And they're split and they're at war. And, then in, and the northern kingdom is all uh, kind of jacked up with all kinds of bad kings most of the time. But yet, here's this kingdom of Aram is sending raiders into uh, northern Israel going through these pillages and doing all kinds of bad things. And along the way, Elisha the prophet has been hearing from the Lord. This is a man who is kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded, in the midst of a day of apostasy when no one's hearing from God. This guy is hearing from God. And every time, God has been showing him what the enemy is about to do. And so Elisha uh, begins to tell the king of Israel, hey, these raiders are going to be here. Watch your guys. Be careful. Watch this area. And the, these guys get mad. The king of Aram, uh, he begins to get mad, and, and, and he says, who in the world is turning, uh, who is a traitor? Who's been telling lies and, and telling the truth to Israel? Who's been giving our secrets away? And they say, no, 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 O king. There is a man named Elisha the prophet. He is telling even what you're speaking in your bedroom in secret to the king of Israel. And so he says, well, I want him. I want you to go to the city where he's at and bring him back to me. And so that's where we find ourselves today in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. If you're there, somebody say amen. amen. Okay, now I'm going to read today. Father, uh, help us, O Lord, as we read your word in Jesus' name. Okay, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, got up early the next morning and went out, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. He cried out, Oh, sir, what will we do now? Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And as the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And then Elisha went out and told them, Hey, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. Uh, and as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes. They discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. Then the king of Israel saw them, and he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill him? Should I kill him? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their masters. So the king made a great feast for them 
and sent them home to their master. And after that, the Aramean army, uh, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Amen. That's a crazy story, right? That's just powerful in, in a lot of ways. We're going to dig into this today. Uh, and how does this apply to your life and to my life? And how do we, what do we see? I'm talking about sight. What do we see in this story today? The first thing I look at this story and I think we've got to get the context. The context is of a kingdom perspective. Elisha is a man of God. All right, let's start there. Elisha is a man of God. And he is a man who is serving the king and serving his kingdom. And he is hearing the voice of the Lord. And before we begin to claim these promises in our life, that's where we begin. It's saying, am I... Am I a person who is all about serving the king and serving his kingdom? And am I in such a way seeking God and putting his needs and his interests first that I hear God's voice? This is the reason this whole story is made possible. Because this, because one man with God was making all the difference in a nation. One man who was seeking God's kingdom first. We have a Bible study even here at our church called Kingdom Seekers. There is one man with God was making all the difference in a nation that was being defeated and overrun by evil. Guess what? One man or woman today can make all the difference in your workplace. One man or woman with God can make all the difference in your school, can make all the difference in your family. A person who is seeking God first, hearing his voice, putting his interest ahead of their own. This guy, Elisha, he was walking in another reality. He had a kingdom perspective. He's serving the king. He's advancing the kingdom, just like you and I should be doing it today. Jesus tells us, hey, we're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be uh, showing his character, his fruit, his gifts uh, being used in this world today. And if we could look at this place today and look at our lives and say, all right, am I a person? Before I even begin to dig into this story, am I a person? Check myself at the door. Am I a person that's saying, God, I am a kingdom-focused, kingdom-centered person, and my interest is serving God. Amen? All right. Okay, so we're there today because here's why. Because if you begin to love God, and maybe today you're not at that place, and that's okay because we're going to have a moment to get there by the end of the service. But if we would love God, and if we would obey Him and His Word, the Bible says that what shall we say to all these things? Because if God is for us, who could be against us? Amen? Okay, so here's this guy. He's seeking God first. He's kingdom-focused. He's hearing God. And so God has been telling him everywhere the enemy is going to be. He's hearing God. He's seeing the whole big picture. He's not just focused on his own life. He's helping out a nation. He's helping out a kingdom. He's showing his servants. He's showing the world that God is stronger than the enemy. And so he's beginning to do this. And guess what? Don't you know when you begin to walk for God's purposes, you're going to be walking against the purposes of the enemy. The more you begin to put God's needs and God's interests focus, uh, first, you begin to focus your life on him. Don't you know that's when problems in your life really are going to begin? That's when people at work are going to persecute you. That's when your family who doesn't go to church is going to disown you. That's when all those people that you used to do and hang out and go all those things and do all those things with, they're going to be texting you, trying to get you to come back out again. The devil has a purpose for your life. But here's what, if you walk against it and go for God, then he's going to show you something, amen? So here's the thing, because of his faithfulness, because he was doing what God wanted him to do, the enemy was against him. Don't you know, as we begin to put God's first in this church, the enemy's going to be against this church. 
He's going to be against you and your family. But yet Elisha remained faithful. So he's going for God, and the enemy surrounds them at nighttime. It was a hidden enemy. It was an ambush in waiting. And sometimes that's the way it is for you and for me. The Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is waiting in ambush for the opportune moment. He is waiting there to put temptation out. At Jesus' weakest moment, Satan comes and puts temptations about seeking God's kingdom. When he's hungry after 40 days of fasting, he says, make some bread. He begins to find all your weak points. He wants you to doubt the word of God. He comes to Eve and Adam and he makes them question, are you sure this is what God said? Aren't you, don't you think God could have meant it this way? Wouldn't you try to rearrange your life a little bit, rearrange your purpose, your identity? Maybe you should try to do things on your own, apart from God's plan, apart from God's purpose. Find this little shortcut and, and be a Christian this way, right? Isn't that what the enemy does? Do, does? All right, you with me this morning? Okay, good. All right, so there's this hidden enemy. And then he's walking God's purpose. He's walking against the enemy. And this enemy is, that we're talking about today for us is not an enemy of flesh and blood. He's the enemy of our souls. His name is Satan, the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, the liar. And his legions are on the offensive of God's kingdom. You know, they did a poll a few years back in America. Uh, the Barna uh, Christian Research Group did maybe about uh, eight years ago. And they found that only 12% of American Christians believe that Satan is a real person. I found that shocking. Because if you don't know that there's an enemy out there, you're at a big disadvantage. Because you think this is all just you and me. But there is a, a person who is the enemy of our souls. He's prowling around, the Bible says. He loves to come under the cover of darkness. He comes to ambush us with temptation when we're weak, strike fear into our hearts, doubt into our minds. The Bible says he has many schemes. He loves to tempt us to be friends of this world and to doubt the word of God. And it's kind of things like this. You'll hear these voices or thoughts or ideas in your mind that says, you know what, you're really alone. Maybe God hasn't forgiven you. Are you sure you're a child of God? Maybe you should try this on your own. Maybe you should try that on you. I don't know that the church can help you. Maybe you're not his child. I don't, maybe you're just not good enough. Maybe, maybe it's just going to be this way. Maybe things won't ever change. You should just probably give up and stop trying. You ever heard voices like that before in your life? That you're not his child. God's not with you. You're not good enough. Maybe today uh, you're in this place today. Maybe you're fighting some worry, some anxiety, some stress, some doubt that's sown in there by the enemy. Maybe it's things from your past that he begins to pull out that pain and that sorrow. Uh, maybe he wants you to live with the shame and regret of things you've done or things that were done to you. Maybe there's things in your life that you feel that people in your, in your workplace, in your family have been surrounding you with lies that happens to us all. Maybe it's pain or sorrow. Maybe you are walled in by some emotions of your past. You don't feel like you can trust someone because you have been surrounded by so much darkness for so many years of your life that you don't feel like you could ever break free or that there's ever freedom out there to trust anyone again or to go out and, and do what God has called you to do. Or maybe there's sickness or disease in your life or in your family that it just seems like things around you uh, are surrounding you. That's because we have a hidden enemy who is using many schemes to surround us. And so Elisha's servant, he comes out in the middle of the morning like a good guy, probably getting up in the crack of dawn, making his, his coffee, scrambling some eggs or whatever, serving his master. And immediately he has eyes of fear. 
This guy looks out and to his surprise, at his shock, they've been away from the enemy for so many years and so many times. Elisha's always saw things in advance, so how do we get caught here? And immediately he looks up and he sees the perspective of all these guys. Seeing the enemy, his eyes get big, and immediately dread comes over him. His faith was shaken. And he does something, he says what? Well, what shall we do? What shall we do? You know, fear always causes us to question God. It, it is this unknown thing. It is this paralyzing thing that, that it's like, okay, where's God? What's God? Where has God been? What, 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 how am I going to fix this situation? Immediately we begin to think, okay, what can I do to solve this problem? There's a problem in my life or this situation comes in my family or whatever. Well, I've got I to go fix it. I've got to go tell that person, here's the truth. That's not the truth. And I've got to go put out all these fires and I've got to post on Facebook what really happened. And, and I've got to go to my workplace and go to my boss and I've got to you know, do this or do that to earn favor back. And I begin, we begin to get paralyzed by all the problems and realize I can't fix it all, but yet we try. That's what fear does. And this fear, he immediately, in his eyes, lit up, and he began to lose his kingdom perspective. That's what it does. We lose our kingdom perspective. We begin to only ask questions. We, fear has no hope. It paralyzes us, or maybe it causes us to flee. It says, well, why, God? Why has this happened to me? How come this happened? Maybe that's what you've been asking in your life here lately. Why in the world, God, have you let me go through this? How in the world, God, could this happen to me? Lord, I thought you saw all things. God, I thought you said you'd protect me. God, I thought you would deliver me. Lord, I thought you would make my life better when I come to Christ. God, I thought your promises were all of this. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul's writing to his young son in the faith. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and in a sound mind. One version says self-discipline. What's he saying? That this fear that comes over him in this moment is not a natural fear. You know, there's a fear that is a common fear, like, okay, uh, maybe you're scared of snakes or spiders, or maybe, like some people in our staff, you're scared of newts that come into this church all the time. You know, that Louisiana, we have these little lizards, right? There's some fears that are natural, but there's some other fears that are unnatural, that you don't even know why you're paralyzed by things in your life. You don't know why you're so upset about this problem at work or in your family or, or what's going on in your mind. Maybe you don't even know why I'm paralyzed. There's thoughts in your mind. There's things coming in. I don't even know why I, I feel paralyzed or I feel afraid of what I'm going through right now. Paul says that this is a spirit of fear. It's not the natural fear like don't touch something sharp or don't grab that rattlesnake or whatever. That's common sense stuff. That's natural fear. This is something that it says that it's causing you to be timid or draw back when there's opposition when you're seeking God first. There's something that's opposition to your faith. It's something that's surrounding you when you're not, so you don't step out in faith. It's the enemy coming when he knows that at this moment you are would, would step out and launch into victory. You could see a mighty move of God in your family and in your faith or in your workplace and in your faith or in your kid's life and in your faith. But yet the enemy knows if I could just surround them, if I could just put lies in their hearts and their head, if I could just make them fear, then maybe they won't jump out of that boat and trust in Jesus. If I could just paralyze this church with problems and insecurities and self-doubt, if I could get them to worry about their problems and the economy and their 401k, if I could just get them to focus on their marital problems and 
and deal with all these issues in their kid's life. And I I get just some distracted by all these things. And they won't be bold enough to go out and witness. They won't be bold enough to raise their hands in worship. They won't feel good enough. They'll have all these lies and doubts about their self-image that, you know, maybe you need to look better, feel better, act better. Maybe you're not going to be as good as the pastor. Maybe you're not perfect. Maybe these things you can't do. That's what the enemy wants to do to this church. That's what he wants to do to you and your family. To think, oh, no, you could never do that. He surrounds you with lies. He puffs himself up. You know, there's that lizard on the animal channel that he has that thing that comes out of his, you know, he makes himself look bigger and he stands up on hind legs and he walks and runs. Or, you know, you get that little chihuahua sometimes that has that really mean, mad bark, you know, sounds louder than he is. You know, that's, that's like the enemy. He's puffing himself up. He's looking bigger. He's looking badder. And he wants you to say, I'm going to fail. He wants you to fail to trust in God's word. He wants you to fail to step out in faith. So think about it. What situation are you facing now that is causing you to not trust in God's word? What situation are you going through right now? What lies, what things have surrounded you that are causing you not to jump out of the boat and trust in God and be radical for Jesus? What are the things that are causing you to doubt the promises of God? Because Elisha comes on the scene, and he comes on with eyes of faith. I find it encouraging that the servant got up early, and Elisha, I can just picture Elisha sleeping in. I can picture him getting the newspaper, which he didn't have, by the way, you know, drinking his cup of coffee. The servant's going out there like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Elisha's just, you know, he's just, yep, yep, I see him. He's just going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I got, a, I got a sword over here, and, you know, there's a, a back door. We can go to the back door, and maybe we need to call somebody. We need to do, a, you know, a uh, fast five. We got to call. What are we going to do? We gotta, and he's just drinking his coffee, watching this guy run back and forth, and he's just like, what does he say? In, in the moment of fear, when fear is paralyzing and fear is taking this guy over, this guy, by the way, is a new servant of Elisha. Uh, his old servant didn't make past the test. Uh, and if you read the chapters back, he, he didn't make it. He got, Elisha's got this new servant who hadn't seen God's miracles, who hadn't seen God's wonders, who hadn't seen what God could do. He didn't know God like Elisha did. Elisha's there, and his, the only words that come out of his mouth are encouragement. In a moment of difficulty and trial and tribulation, the only thing Elisha had to say was, Do not fear. He was encouraging. It, it was just that that was all that was inside of him. Why? Because uh, as fear began to question, Elisha had certainty. He calmly, he was confident. He knew that no matter the outcome, because he was a kingdom-focused individual, that God was on his side. And perhaps even like before, Elisha had been hearing where the enemy was going and when the enemy would go. I think Elisha knew, even the night before, the enemy would be at my door tomorrow morning. He had known all the other times. You know, he wasn't surprised. I, God was testing him in his faith. And here's the question. When you are surrounded in your life, which person are you? Are you fearful? Are you anxious? Are you trying to solve things on your own? Or do you immediately say, you know what? Because I know, I am confident that I've been loving God, seeking His interests first, putting my faith and my family first, that I am I'm confident that no matter what I go through in this world, that God will be with me. 
that God's going to be with me. And he says he's encouraging. He began to encourage others. Are we a person in that life like that when there's tribulation around us? You know what? I still find time to pray, to read my Bible. I still find time to worship God. I can be an encouragement to other people. Even though my life can be surrounded, I can still say, you know what? Don't fear. Why? Because he says, Lord, open his eyes. Don't fear what you see. It's like Jesus sleeping on the boat. The storm surrounds the disciples. And Jesus repeatedly tells people throughout the Gospels, do not fear. Fear the God who can uh, take your soul to hell. Don't fear men who can kill the body. He says, don't fear the, the things of this world and the economy of this world. You are far more valuable to God. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He's, he says, don't fear. I'm giving you my spirit in these last days. He's going to be a spirit of peace that in the middle of a troubled world, your hearts do not have to be troubled. Why? Because he knew And Elisha knew, and you and I should know this, that on our side, our team is bigger and better. You know what? Our team is bigger and better and better. And I know this, that of all the things on this world, God is the one thing everyone, every creature, even the demons in hell fear. And he is on my side, by the way. And I am on his side. And if I know that there is a perspective here that at the name of Jesus, mountains tremble, storms quiet, demons and disease flee, that if God is for me, why should I fear? What should I be worried about? Because Elisha said, pray that his eyes be open. He says, servant, I want you to see with faith. I want you to see with faith. Now get this. Elisha had had a revelation years before. When he had a revelation of God's glory and power, he saw a chariot of fire come down and get his master, Elijah. And he knew, I think, that all those years he did ministry, that's up in heaven, and that's the God I'm working for. I have seen the majesty of a God like that, and I am fulfilling his commitment and his commission, and there's nothing that any man or any king or any kingdom or any warrior or raiders can do to me if I have seen a glimpse of God's glory. He saw it, and I think he knew, and God had been talking to him. He'd been so focused on God's kingdom that he knew that in Psalm 68, verse 17, you know what the Bible says? It says, the chariots of God are myriads, that is, thousands upon thousands that God has of his chariots in heaven. And I think in that moment, as Elijah prayed, his his servant's eyes were opened up to faith. That servant hadn't seen the glory and the awe of God before. And in that moment, he saw it just around them in the morning dawn hours. Can you imagine? They're surrounded by all these raiders. But in the distance around Elisha, behind them and surrounding him, the dawn lit up with fiery horses and fiery chariots, thousands upon thousands of angelic hosts just hovering over them. And he was just saying, there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Whoo, man, could you, I just would die to be in one of those days, right? That, and, and I think about that moment that he had a revelation of God's majesty in awe that God was fighting for them. Because they were on God's team. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk in faith and not by sight. What does that mean? It means that faith is a different kind of sight. We're asking you, as you join this Christian journey, to walk by faith and not by sight. That means you're walking by faith. That is a different type of seeing. That faith 
isn't involve the natural, it involves the supernatural. That faith is trusting in something beyond, right? Uh, F.B. Meyer, a great commentator, uh, he says it this way, that faith visualizes the unseen and the eternal. You have to have a picture of what is beyond this world. To walk through this world in a spiritual way, you have to have a picture, a visualization of something unseen and eternal. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said that I'm looking beyond to the things uh, which are unseen, the things that are eternal, and that way I can go through these many worldly afflictions which are the temporary and the seen. He's saying that I have many difficulties in my life. There are many temporal, temporary, seen things. I see them, and they're hurting me. I'm getting beaten. I'm getting shipwrecked. I'm getting beaten by snakes. I'm being whipped and flogged. And I'm going through all kinds of junk. People hate me. Churches are dividing. There's people trying to ruin my ministry. All kinds of things are happening to Paul. But he says, what gets me through these moments? He says that I have a vision. I have a revelation of something that's unseen. I have something to hold on to that is not based in this reality. There is a faith in my heart that is beyond. It is a visualization. It's a different type of sight. And it's really based in Christ. So let me tell you this. This story that we're reading today is not about, it's not about getting out of danger or difficulty. Because I'd like to tell you right now, there's a lot of things that you and I are going through in this life. You want to get out of danger and difficulty. This is not that message, all right? There are messages for that. Uh, This is not about getting out of danger and difficulty. This is about having faith despite danger and difficulty. You see, I think that either way, had they lost this battle or God had called Elisha to be a martyr, it would not have changed whether or not the angelic armies would have been hovering over him. You see, Elisha was walking with God, walking for God, but he still got surrounded. The enemy still came against him. But he still had faith. You see, faith is... uh, Many of these biblical heroes died in faith. I think about Hebrews chapter 11. All these guys, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, were promised all kinds of great things. But in this life, many of them didn't receive it. But they had faith, the Bible says, of things that they hoped for. They had evidence of things that were not seen. Are you hearing me this morning? It says this in in Hebrews uh, 11, 13, that they all saw with these spiritual eyes, and especially Abraham, he saw a city he would never, he had never on this earth achieved. He saw a city beyond. In fact, he saw all of the promises that God gave him were all fulfilled in a Christ who is yet to come. You and I have many promises in the Bible. We have many promises that God has given us, but we all have to receive them with a different type of sight, a different type of reality, that when you go through this world as a Christian, it is not simply just in the natural. You do not simply just go to church, sing some songs, hear a good sermon, try to be a good person, live a good life. That will not get you through the journey that God has for you. There is something you must have a hold of that is in the glory and majesty of God. It is a hope and a sense and a faith that no matter what I go through, I will receive all of the promises in Christ, whether in this world or beyond, they're all mine. Are you believe that this morning? That there is a home for you in eternity. There is peace and joy and love that God has paid for for you. Whether you're receiving it in full now or you're going to receive it in full later, it doesn't matter. There is a reality beyond this world. Amen. It's all in Christ. 
Jesus says, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but he says, I'm going to be with you always. And then Paul can write it later. He can say, but you are a more, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Do we see with faith today? Because here's the story. Look, look, we're wrapping up at the end. So we have eyes of fear. We have eyes of faith. And then we have the blind. What does Elisha do? I love this. This is, this is a really just, the guys are comical, honestly. The, these stories in Scripture are really comical. He says, he says, all right, Lord, you open my servant's eyes, so to a spiritual reality. All right, God, now close their eyes. Make them blind. They weren't really blind in the full natural sense. They were blind to the awareness of any revelation. So Elisha goes out and he says, hey, guys, what's your, what's your hurry? What you running to the town for? Who are you looking for? Elisha? Oh, yeah, I think I know that guy. <laughs> He's actually 12 miles down the road. Hey, I'll show you where he lives. And he takes them right in to the city gates, into the barracks where the king and the king's army is. And can you imagine all these other soldiers are watching? And Elisha, he's just, I think he's on a donkey, so he's kind of going like this. You know, and he's, he's taking all these soldiers are just there, just kind of zoned out, just watching this old guy on a donkey or whatever. Uh, and he, he's walking right. They walk right through the military guard. They walk right through all the things. Walk right maybe up to the prison door. You know, and they're just standing there, kind of zoned out, and, and God, Elisha says, all right, God, now open their eyes. They look around, and all these guys got their, you know, their arrows and bows and swords focused on them, and they just, they probably freak out, and they drop all their armor, and they drop all their weapons, and they're like, well, what should we do? We got them, you know. Uh, can you imagine? God, you know, the story is really all about sight, that, that the raiders had no revelation of who Elisha was or where they were going. Elisha leads them straight into captivity. And then he shames them with a meal and turns them loose so they could go home in utter uh, humility and humiliation defeated. But here's the deal. Through this test of faith, guess what? Their servant's eyes were opened. The nation's eyes were opened. And even the enemy would eventually see that God alone is God. This wasn't really about Elijah or Elisha and the issue. It really wasn't really about the servant and his issue. It was that so all people then and even now today in 2018 could see God is God. God is God. And you have to have spiritual sight. You have to have a revelation of beyond because there are people in this world today that are spiritually blind, just like these soldiers. They were blind to who Jesus Christ is. They're blind to the light of the good news. The Bible says that Satan has darkened their minds, that they walk in darkness, that they stumble, that they have no revelation of where they are going. And I pray that you're not in that place today, that you're just aimlessly wandering through this life, trying to figure things out, don't know which team you're on, don't know, have any revelation of anything beyond what you taste, see, smell, and touch. But I'm telling you today, when you come into a place like this, if you can't sense the presence of God, if you don't feel something beyond the reality of your five senses and sense that there is something beyond, you are spiritually blind today. Because when we join together in this community, God is in our midst. There is something beyond this world. And that's the reality that you and I have to live in. Do you have eyes of faith that in the midst of your darkest times, that when you are surrounded, that you still have something to hold on? The Bible says that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and still know that God 
is with me. God is with me. Paul says that we could fight this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, that you can walk in the flesh, but we're not warring according to the flesh. Like Elijah or Elisha, we're going to, number one, seek God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that he actually discloses to us the enemy's schemes so that we will not walk in ignorance. I believe as you begin to seek God first, he's going to disclose to you what are tactics of the enemy. That you can recognize, you know, that thought, I reject that thought in Jesus' name. That is a thought from the pit of hell. I am not going to dwell on that thought. That is a temptation that's going to cause struggle in my marriage. That's a temptation that's going to cause me to doubt who I really am in God. That's a lie from my past. Devil, I reject that lie. God has forgiven me for that sin. I don't have to live there anymore. I'm standing on the promises of God. They are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That reality is no longer my reality. I have a new reality that is bought with the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ, that he says, my name is written down in heaven, that I am a blood-bought child of the king. I am forgiven, born again. I am seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ, that there is no weapon formed against me that's going to proper, that greater is he who is in me than is he that is in the world, that I, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Amen. You can just begin to quote and say, God, that's the word. That's the reality I'm holding on to. So number one, can you seek God today? He says, no temptation shall overtake you. God always provides a way of escape. Number two, you can lead those thought captives. Number three, you can show people mercy. Like Elisha, we live by a different set of rules. Maybe today there are blind people, spiritually ignorant people in this world that are coming against you, surrounding you, mocking you, slandering you. Or maybe it's people in your family, your workplace, wherever at. Elisha did the same thing that Romans tells us to do. He says, heap burning coals on their head. Shame them with mercy. Shame them with love. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he's naked, clothe him. That you do these things that God has your back. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And Elisha did the same thing by sending them humbly out. And mercy sent them back to their master. They began, the Bible says that those raiders never came back to the land of Israel. Because they saw that God really is God. So as I close today, are you seeking God and is he speaking to you? Number two, are you leading thoughts captive to Christ? Resisting the devil, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, building up your faith. Number three, maybe there's people surrounding you in this natural world. Show them mercy. No, the Bible says the kindness of the Lord will lead them to repentance And it's not about your temporary difficulty. We're all going to have that. But if we could just have a sense today, have a manifestation of God, and it's simply this, that just like Elisha had a manifestation of God's glory, and he always knew from then on chariots of fire were with him, just like the servant that day had his eyes open to the manifestation of God's glory. He knew from that day on, there are, I think he never was, I think he was changed forevermore. That servant always knew there's chariots of fire in heaven that are watching over me as I go for God first. You and I have had the greatest revelation in the history of the universe. You know what it is? When God sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
manifest in the flesh. The Word became flesh. It dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, His majesty, full of grace and truth. There is no other sign, the Bible says, but the sign that Jesus Christ has come. There is no other signs needed. There is no other manifestation needed. You and I have seen something greater than chariots of fire. We have seen Jesus Christ come, pay the penalty of death, ascend to heaven, and have His promise that He is coming back and the saints of God with Him to take back authority on this world. There is nothing else. You and I need to have confidence and courage as we walk through this world to come against a spirit of fear in your life, in my life, in my family's life. Go through my workplace, go through my schools, go through family difficulties that know there is more on my side than there is in this world. There is more for us than is against us. God is for us, so whom shall we fear? Amen? Would you stand with me today, worship team? Would you come? Today... I want us to pray this as we close this place today, knowing that our battle has already been fought and it's already been won, that Jesus Christ has come. I want us to pray this, what he prayed for his servant. God, let me see that you're in control. Maybe you're going through something today. Maybe your life is not where it ought to be. Maybe you need to Do what Elisha did at the very beginning and be a kingdom-focused person. That means giving your life completely to God. And that's where you need to start. That's the context of all these promises is getting your life in a kingdom-focused position. God, I surrender to my kingdom. I give up my kingdom, my control, my thoughts, my wants, my dreams. I surrender to you that you are God of my life. That starts with salvation, saying, I repent of my sins. I come back to Jesus. I believe in who he is and who he says he is, that he died for my sin, that he rose from the grave, that he's coming back again, and he alone is king, and he alone is God. And we start there. Then after that, then we say, I'm claiming the promises in Jesus Christ. And I want us to pray today, whatever camp that you're in, whatever place that you're in, God, maybe there's a problem in my life, lies, doubt, shame, regret. Maybe people are surrounding me. Difficulties, problems. Maybe it's things from my past. Maybe it's things that I deserve that I did. But you don't have to live there any longer. Even though you go through temporary, temporal, natural difficulties, I can live in a different reality. I can have peace in the midst of tribulation. I can have joy in the midst of sorrow. I can have uh, healing in the midst of pain. I can have hope in the midst of hopelessness because I don't see what the world sees. I see my God seated on the throne. I see with faith. So, Lord, I'm praying today over this congregation, Lord, that we surrender our life to you. God, and number two, open our eyes that we may see. Open our eyes, O God that we may see, Lord, that we may have hope, peace, love, joy, faith. God, in the midst of whatever comes our way, we know that we are on the winning team. Lord, we rebuke all those thoughts, Lord, that lie, that slander, that shame, that isolate, that bring fear into our hearts of what's going to happen in the future. But God, whatever that problem is right now, whatever that problem is, you just begin to give it to God in this place, right where you are. Just make an altar to God. Say, Lord, I'm given that issue. Just call it out to him. Just under your breath, you just say, Lord, this issue of my life, I am not going to fear any longer. God, give me eyes to see. Open my eyes, oh God, to see a manifestation of your glory. Let me have hope. Let me have faith today. Hallelujah, Lord God. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to invite our elders to come back. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you've got a situation that is surrounding you today, we want to pray with you, build up your faith in the name of Jesus. But right now, before we leave today, let's just worship God. 
Let's just praise Him that we're on the winning team. You could just have some faith today. Let's worship in faith. This is how we fight our battles. Hallelujah, Lord God. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Holy are you, Lord God. Victory is ours in the name of Jesus. Thank you, O God, for victory, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're giving this problem to you, God. Giving this problem to you.